But uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through uh, 6. If you have that, let's stand and stretch just for a moment here. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1. For every high priest taketh from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he might offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? And for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I want to preach to you on this subject tonight, Jesus our high priest. Jesus, our high priest, and thank God for him being our high priest. Father, help me now to help. Pray the folks listen carefully. I pray you'll help me. Holy Spirit, give me clarity of thought. Help my eyesight, my mind, and the Holy Spirit walking down these aisles and go from chair to chair and person to person and meet with us, please. Holy Ghost, you're welcome. Please meet with us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible tells us that our Lord is a high priest. He's not a high priest like the ones in the Old Testament days who were chosen by men. But this, he being a high priest, not chosen by himself or man, but chosen by God, the Father himself. He was chosen to go between God and man. It took more than the title in the Bible to describe Jesus as high priest. It takes more than one work for Jesus to perform in order to fulfill the office of high priest. There are at least, I'm going to give you four different titles out of the scripture that uh, are necessary for us to understand Jesus, our high priest, and the priesthood. Number one, write this down. The first, you preacher brother house, I'd say, get your pens out, write this down. He'd get up and say, put your pens up. And then this went on for weeks, and, and finally he got up and he said, look, when Bob Gray's preaching, get your pen out. But when you got a good-looking man up here, put your pens up. And uh, now the first title is that, write this down, Daysman. Daysman. Now in Job chapter 9 and verse 33, Job chapter 9 and verse 33, he tells us about this. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. That's Job 9.33. So he was our daysman. Now this is one of the four titles that that help us to understand about the priesthood, uh, the high priest. So bear in mind, Job was in the ash heap, as you know, of the city dump. And bear in mind that he had an awful disease close to leprosy that completely uh, dominated his entire body. Now bear in mind, the bodies of his ten children are, are, are just laid out uh, in graves uh, just as just happened. Bear in mind, he had lost all of his wealth. Bear in mind, his wife had forsaken him, and just a few days prior, he was the most powerful man in the country. Now, he is the subject and object of ridicule, and he's found himself with scorn and poverty and loneliness. Job then utters these words that we just quoted here, neither is there a, there a daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand on both of us. So in order... To understand the high priesthood of Christ, you must understand 
He has to be a daysman, someone to reach both of us, someone to understand both of us, someone who can come to God on behalf of man and come to man on behalf of God. I was in Greece, and I went down to get me a bite to eat, and I was sitting there, and I couldn't understand a thing going on. I kept pointing at it, and an American walked over, and he said, can I help you? And I said, absolutely. And so he's, he's the one that helped me to choose the, what to, to, to order to eat. I didn't understand their language, but he understood both. He understood mine, and he understood, even though it was from Texas, he understood it, and he understood the Greek language. So Job is saying the same thing. I need someone that can place his hand on, uh, on God and place the other hand on me, and Job needed a daysman. Jesus, our high priest, was in all points tempted like I and you are. Jesus, our high priest, was acquainted with grief like I am and like you are. He was on earth for 33 years so he could understand you and understand me. Jesus can reach out and touch God, and he can also reach down and touch us. So he is that daysman. Now, he cannot, he cannot be the, uh, can understand the, the Jesus being our high priest unless you understand that he is our daysman. Jesus was the daysman that could make us understand both of us. Jesus can come to God and tell him, I know what it's like to be down there. I know the loneliness of the Mount of Olives. I know the feeling of pain. I know the desertion. I know what it's like being betrayed. I know what it's like having heartaches. And Jesus also can go, come to me and say, I am also God. So let me give you strength. Let me help you. Let me give you wisdom. Let me give you insight. And so the first title that supports the definition of what our high priest is, that of daysman. Thank God we have a daysman in Christ. Thank God he reaches down and touches you as God and then goes to God as man. And thank God for that because you and I wouldn't be able to function like we are unless we understood Jesus is our daysman. He comes to us on behalf of God, goes to God on behalf of us. Eight. Now, the second title is this. Boy, aren't you proud of me? We're half done. You've got to be proud of me, right? You're not. Okay. Number two, the first title is the high priest is the daysman. The second title is that of mediator, being the mediator. Jesus is our daysman, but there's more. A mediator is someone between two estranged parties. A mediator works out a plan for reconciliation. So that is known as mediation. This Bible mediator is the last resort. Uh, they've tried and tried and tried and tried but failed in a labor dispute. So what do they do? They get mediation. They get someone to go to the management, talk on behalf of labor. And they go to labor and talk to them on behalf of management. And then what do they do? They reconcile their differences. Now listen carefully. Jesus is our high priest, which means he's a daysman. That means he's as much God as much as he is man and much man as he is God. Hard to understand, but true. And so as our daysman, he goes to God and says, I, 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 want, I want to come on behalf of man. I want to become on behalf of my children. I want to come to you on behalf of them. Then he comes to us and says, now, wait a minute now. Before you jump too quick, I want to come to you on behalf of God. And he brings to us then to a point to where mediation is demanded. And we have to have a mediator. And that mediator, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. The high priest not only understands man and God and touches man and God, but he also works out a plan of reconciliation. So Jesus is our high priest. Thus, he is our daysman. And thus, he is our mediator. 
Jesus comes to God and says, I understand you, and man are estranged, so let me help. He comes to man and says, I understand you and God are estranged. Let me get you together. So Jesus works out a plan to reconcile God and man. Now, what is that plan? Jesus volunteered before the foundation of the world to become flesh. He volunteered. He, the foreordinate counsel of God, he volunteered and said, I will go to earth. I'll be born of a virgin. I'll suffer all the pains for 33 years on earth. I will do that. And then I will go to Calvary, innocent, and I will carry the blood, uh, my blood, and, and use it as a cleansing agent because without the blood, there can be no cleansing. It cannot at all. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the application of the blood. And so he says, I'm, I'll live a perfect life. I'll go to Calvary. I'll do all that needs to be done to fulfill your requirements, Father, because I'm reconciling. I've, I got, I found out what you want. Now I, I'm going to go down to man and present it to man. Man, I found out what you need, and I want to bring you to God. So he's our mediator. He brings us together. I'll pay the price, he says. I'll go to Calvary. I'll have the embarrassment of, of, of being stripped naked in front of the whole world. I'll die. I'll dip my soul into hell and be resurrected, prove I've got power over death, hell, and the grave. And so when he did, victory came to you and came to me. Why? Because he was not just our daysman. But he was our mediator. He had a plan to reconcile. As daysman, he touches God and touches man. As mediator, he works out a plan to reconcile God and man. Jesus comes to earth, virgin born, virgin life, virgin death, virgin burial, virgin resurrection, virgin intercessory. So the plan is accepted of God. And if man will accept that plan, it's okay with God the Father. So if you'll trust his son and what he did when he came to earth and lived a perfect sinless life. And, uh, and so he represents God and he represents man. He is our mediator. He's our daysman. He's our mediator. Number three, you've got to be proud of it. This is three quarters done already. It's these sub points going to kill us. Uh, I've got 65 points, 35 sub points, three jokes, and two tear jerking illustrations. Uh, but number three, he is not only our daysman, he's not only our mediator, which describes Jesus as high priest, but number three, and I love this one, he is my advocate. He is my advocate. Let me give you, write this down, 1 John 2.1, 1 John 2.1, my little children, these things have I written unto you uh, that you said not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So as high priest, his work is, uh, is the work of a daysman. As high priest, his work is the work of a mediator. But I love this one. Also, his work is that of an advocate. The word advocate's a legal term, which means attorney. It means he represents us. Now, if you go to court, you'll see the prosecution on one side, and you'll see the defense on the other side. <clears throat> and and I, I, can you imagine all the things that Satan's listed about you? Can you imagine all the sins he's, he's privy to that you've committed? You don't think anybody knows about. But Satan knows, and he's going to prosecute you. And he's going to bring all of that up. He's going to bring every bit of it up to you. But thank God sitting at our table is our advocate, our attorney, the Lord Jesus Christ. He cannot be our high priest if he's not a mediator, if he's not a daysman, and if he's not an advocate. Oh, I can see myself sitting there, and the prosecution calls uh, someone from my youth to the stand, and he questions them. Did you ever hear Bob Gray say something he should have say, so said? Uh, he brings uh, childhood friends of it. Have you ever seen him take something he shouldn't have taken? 
Have you ever seen him use language he shouldn't have used? I can see every tactic that the prosecution can use to try to condemn me to hell. And I can see all of it. And I sit there and I sweat. You know why? Because it's true. It's true. What Satan brings up is true. And so I sit there and I wonder, how is this going to turn out? And I can't wait to hear what my, my attorney's going to say. And I can't wait because I've, I've got my young uh, days uh, things brought up and I, things in my college days brought up and things that, that I don't want anybody to know about. And don't look at me that way because you're the same way that I am. For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. We've all got things in our life that we wish nobody knew about. We wish it had never happened. But I'm telling you, it did happen. And I'm telling you, Satan wants to use it against you. But I'm telling you, shout amen tonight because you've got an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is righteous, who stands on our behalf, and he stands before the judge and says, Judge, I paid that debt. There's no double jeopardy. You cannot come to Bob Gray and now condemn him to hell because it's already been paid for. I'm not, I'm not just the attorney. I'm the one who paid the price. The price is paid. Oh, thank God tonight your sins are under the blood. Thank God tonight those sins will never be brought up. Thank God. I hear sometimes preachers say, oh, you better be careful because at the judgment seat of Christ, there could be a video of all the bad things you've ever done. That's the biggest lie that's ever been told. All our sins were judged at Calvary. Every sin you've ever committed was judged at Calvary. The payment has been made. No, don't worry about what the prosecution, and don't you join him either. Don't you become a part of the accuser of the brethren. Don't you be a part of that role because I'm telling you, he's defeated. He knows he's defeated. That's why Revelation says he has but a short time, and he's working overtime to try to destroy the work of God. And he brings blame to you for things that you've done, but I'm telling you, they're under the blood. If you belong to Jesus Christ and you're born again, don't you fret. Don't you worry. All of that was hung on Calvary with our Savior. Jesus is our daysman. He goes to God and says, God, let me talk to you about man. And, and God, I've been down. I've seen what deacons are like. God, you've got to have pity on them. And then he comes. Well, you're not going to laugh about that one, are you? <laughs> Must be a deacon. Uh, I, I have nothing against deacons. Got nothing for them either. But uh, so, oh, that was funny. Now, that, that, that was funny. Uh, so he comes to God, and he comes on behalf of man. Then he comes to man and says, let me tell you something. I've been with God, and I've got something here. I want to be a mediator. I want to bring a reconciliation. And so if we accept that plan, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, guess what? We're reconciled. We're reconciled. Don't you let people uh, try to bring up your past and throw the past in your face. Don't you do it. Don't you do it at all. Most of the things that people talk about didn't even happen anyway. They lie about it because they, he's a liar. Satan's a liar, and he's the father of liars. And you and I tonight, thank God for salvation. Thank God those sins are wiped away. Thank God those sins are under the blood. Thank well, You ought to be shouting amen. You, all those things, it, 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 listen, they haunt you because Satan wants it to haunt you. But I'm telling you that not only is he our daysman, but he's our meteor, but, later, but he's our advocate. Thank God he's our advocate. The advocate presents the, uh, the evidence of the mercy seat. He brings the, brings the evidence of the blood on the mercy seat. He comes to the judge and brings the Lamb's book of life and says, let me show you whose names are in here. He brings our record to the judge and says, judge, the only thing I see here on Bob Gray's record is, is Jesus' record. That's all I see. 
That's all I see. You see, every sin you've ever committed has been put on the blood, uh, under the blood, and it's on Jesus' record, and he swapped records with us, and you and I, our record is the record of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and that's how you get to heaven. That's how you live forever with, the, with, the, in the, in the, in, with your mansion and your loved ones and your family forever and ever and ever. Why? Because Jesus is not just our daysman. He's not just our mediator, but he is our advocate. He's our legal representative and on top of that he says to the judge I paid the price I paid the price I paid the price thank God he paid the price and you and I are able to go to heaven because of that all right our high priest what does it mean it means he's our daysman he's our high priest what does that mean he means our he's our mediator he's our high priest what does it mean it means he's our advocate here's the last point aren't you proud of me this is the last point you're not proud of me, are you? I'm not preach you people anymore. Number four. The fourth thing is, he, finally, he is our intercessor. He's our intercessor. Let me, let me tell you what it's like in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they, God set up cities of refuge. He set up three cities on the west bank, three cities on the east bank, and they were on the highest hill possible. He wanted all of his children to be able to get to one of those cities of refuge. Now, in that city of refuge, there was a high priest. And so that the roads were smoothed out so that they could get to the, to the cities of refuge easily. So a man who sinned, committed murder, would take off for that city of refuge. God set it up. And so they would run to the city of refuge. And the high priest was there. And that man could not be condemned for that sin because he sought refuge that God set up in the city of refuge. Now, do you know as long as that high priest was alive, that man had nothing to worry about? Somebody shout amen. No, not a thing to worry about. Is the high priest still alive? That man probably was nervous about it. I bet he fed him healthy food. You know that? And uh, uh, it wasn't McDonald's, but it was anyway. Uh, oatmeal. I'm on an oatmeal kick. I can't help it. I can't help it. When you get old, it's oatmeal. I'm just telling you what to look forward to and, 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 and learn to gum it. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, you've got the worst McDonald's in America. I'm just telling you right now. You've got the worst McDonald's in America. I, I, I'm going to go down there hiring. I'm going to go down there. And, and anyway, uh, but what, the high priest is the high priest. I can always see that guy waking up every morning. How's the high priest today? Has anybody seen him? Have you got a medical report yet? Is the high priest all right? Listen, this guy's life was at stake. He had to make sure that the high priest was alive so that he, they couldn't come in and get him and condemn him for something that was forgiven. But that high priest, uh, no doubt about it, he checked on the high priest. Often he checked on it. But I'm telling you that our high priest is alive. And you don't have to worry. He's alive forevermore. And so one of the titles is that of daysman, mediator, and he's advocate. But he's also our intercessor. Seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he sits there and intercedes. You and I have someone that intercedes for us. And as long as our high priest is alive, you don't have to worry about being condemned for your sin. Somebody shout amen. Thank God your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life and it's not written down in pencil either. Most, I don't understand these people. Well, you know, he, 
he sinned, but uh, he got saved, but he sinned again. Better erase his name out of there. Oh, better see Jimmy Swagger. Get it back in there. Okay, right in there. Okay. Oh, he sinned again. Better take it out like that. Go see Benny Hinn. Put it in there. There you go. Uh, now, if that's the case, there'd be a hole where your name is. Amen. Amen. For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Thank God. All of it depends on Jesus, our high priest. Oh, he's the day's I was I, one Sunday night. I got through preaching back to the room. Mrs. Ayers, who takes worked for me for 35 years, takes care of Mrs. Gray. And she called and she said, Preacher, don't panic. Now, don't do that to me. Don't call me and say to me, don't panic. Because the first thing I'm going to do is panic. And she said, don't panic. She said, Mrs. Gray had a heart attack. She's at the hospital. But the doctor says she's going to be okay. Now, let me tell you something. We've been married 56 years. She's the greatest woman I've ever known. And by the way, the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, too. I saw her in the eighth grade, and I went, goo goo ga ga gee And she didn't give me the time of day uh, until we got into college. And it cost me a lot of money, but I finally won her over. Uh, now, but, oh, listen, I went out in that parking lot, and I cried like a baby. And I looked to the heaven and said, God, please, please, God, please hear me. Please, you've got to touch your body. You've got to. And I begged for God. I'm telling you that Jesus was interceding as a daysman for me at that point in my life. I'm telling you, when you need something, you don't be afraid to go to God. Don't you be afraid. Because you've got a daysman who's been with God and been with man. And he wants to reconcile and be the mediator. And then he wants to be the advocate to legally stand up for you and say, your record is clear and legally it's such because I'm the advocate. Then whatever you need, you go to God, and you watch God intercede for you. God's alive. Whoever started the lie that God's dead, they don't know what they're talking about because I'm a relative. Nobody told me. God's alive. Jesus is interceding for you tonight. What's your prayer life like? Oh, listen, you ought to enjoy that time with God. <laughs> Those couples get in the car and drive somewhere, and they don't even talk to each other. One grunt means McDonald's. Two grunts means Burger King. Three grunts means potty break. <laughs> I can prove it. Some of you went home for dinner today, and you didn't say to your wife, please give me some iced tea. You just rattled the glass, and she's going to get it right to you. Now, that type of relationship is not, not for a healthy marriage, and it's not healthy for you spiritually either. When you wake up in the morning, you ought to say, good morning, Lord, and it's a good Lord this morning. Uh, something, ought to, something ought to change. Your relationship with God ought to be that where you understand He is your daysman. He's representing you to God. And He's also had a plan of reconciliation to bring you back. And then He said, I'm going to legally stand with you. And I not only stand for you legally, but I paid the price myself. Then He says, come to me. Come boldly. Now, boy, you Baptists are a mess. You know that. We, we, we carry on and carry on, and you've got the nerve to go to God in prayer. Yet God said, come boldly. Somebody say amen. Come boldly. Come to me. Talk to me. There's nothing so trivial in your life that God is not concerned about it. There's some, you may think there's not much to this, but God said everything. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. It means everything to me. 
when our kids were little, I would, I would, I would say, hey, look, you, don't, you come to Dad. Now you talk to Dad. But don't, don't lie to me and don't hide it from me. If something didn't go right, then come sit down. We'll talk about it, and I'll help you. I want to help you. Uh, sometimes, all <laughs> the first time, Kimberly, our oldest girl, oh, man, when she was born, that was the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life. Dark hair, dark eyes, oh, gorgeous baby. I remember going in back then. Things are so different now. When, when, when mothers give birth, they got the whole neighborhood in there. Now, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't understand that. Not me. <laughs> Not me, buddy. And, uh, but they had the glass window. You know, they bring the kids out in the little crib, you know. I was standing there, and I was crying. I said, oh, I saw her come out. And then the guy over here, he was looking down. I said, which one's yours? He said, he said that one over there. I said, too bad. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, oh, she was, I helped her to be able to walk. And, oh, I'm just wonderful, wonderful days. And then one day I came home, and my wife said, your daughter lied today. What do you mean, my daughter? See, when they're bad, they're mine. When they're good, they're hers. I said, your daughter lied today. and said, you need to punish her. What? What? Man, I remember walking outside of that room back and forth thinking, "How I can't do this. I can't. And here's my wife. I said, I can't, I can't do this. And I remember going in, and I said, Kimberly, I said, you know what you did was wrong. It's a lie. Would you? <laughs> and then I, and I said, time out. I went back in the hallway again. Man, alive. I can't do it. There's no way I can do it. And I went back in, and I said, now, Kimberly, you understand that that, that can't let you, you can't do this. Uh, God's not happy with this. And you've got to understand there's a, there's a penalty to everything that <laughs> oh, man, I'll be right back. Oh. Scott, when Scott got spanked one time, he, he put a pie pan in the back of his pants. And his, his mother, clank, clank. <laughs> Smartest thing he ever did. And uh, but I went in, and she said, she said, Daddy, I know, I know, I know. I said, all right, sweetheart. So he'd have them put their hands on his head like that, you know, that bat back there, that bottom back there, that's what it's for. And so paddled her and sat down, and I cried, and I hugged her. And I said, honey, I didn't want to do that. And she looked at me and said, then why did you? <laughs> Smart lady. <laughs> I said, because your mother told me to. <laughs> oh, but aren't you glad that you've got a heavenly father that loves you like more than deeper than any dad could love a son or love a daughter. The type of love is not conditioned at all with God. And God has unconditional love when it comes to you as his daughter and you as his. Don't be afraid to go to him. It's, it may be trivial to you. You may be scared to confess it to God. But if you don't, you'll never know the sweetness of forgiveness and the sweetness of God's sweet arms around you and hugging you and saying, I love you. You're my daughter. You're my son. Oh, thank God. For that love, that's the intercessor. He, he knows what he's talking about because he's been the daysman. He knows what he's talking about because he's been the mediator. He knows what he's talking about because he's the advocate. Not only your attorney, but the payee. And then God says, come to me. Come to me. I remember all of our kids have got times that the boys would come and sit down, Dad, i got to tell you something. And I said, what is it, son? And they would tell me. 
I've known dads who've exploded. But, but if they come to me, and my wife, she had, she, <laughs> she had a poodle. She had several of them, but one of them, if you, oh, that dog, you shouldn't go like that. That dog, jump up here, right here. You can't beat them when they're like that, when you want to, you know. Just up there like that, like that. And uh, uh, we had one black poodle named Buttons, meanest dog you ever saw in your life. I've got scars all over my head of that dog. That dog died and went to hell. Uh, that's the meanest dog, I'm telling you. It's the meanest dog I've ever. Anyway, I think I said something wrong. Uh, but but I, I, I'm just saying, why don't you be like that? Like, get close to God. Don't be afraid to tell him. Dr. Rice would make a list of his sins every day. He'd tear it up, flush it down the commode. Every day. Maybe that's what made him a great man. Keep that relationship with God. He's your intercessor. He wants to hear from you. I don't care how bad it is. You go to him. Now, I must tell you in all honesty, confess and forsake. You can't just confess. You've got to confess and forsake. But you can do that because he'll help you. Let's stand. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.